So God, we thank you for this time of worship. God, we thank you uh, in midst of uncertainty, maybe sometimes fear, anxiety, not knowing what the future may hold, that hope has a name and its name is Jesus. So we pray, Jesus, that you would fill this room today, all the living rooms, all the kitchens, all the bedrooms, wherever anybody is watching from, that the presence of the living God would touch us and we'd walk out of here with a little more hope, a little more peace, a little more joy. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Come on, say it for the first time ever out loud. You're by yourself. There's nobody watching. Amen. Well, welcome to week two of a series we're calling How to Live Through a Bad Day. And the crazy thing, as we talked about last week, is we planned this series last summer in 2019, not knowing that the coronavirus would be here, not knowing that we would be online only for several weeks. And we're studying the seven statements that Jesus made as he was on his way to the cross and on the cross. Seven statements in his worst day that I believe, as we study them, can help, them, can help us through our worst day. The Bible promises, in fact, that bad days are coming. I know that's not good news, but John 16, says, In this world we will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so write this down again this week. This is our theme for the series. Jesus went through his worst day so that he could help us overcome ours. Jesus went through his worst day so that you and I don't have to go through ours alone. But before we dive back into Jesus on the cross, I want to take us to the Old Testament today, Isaiah chapter 53, because nothing in the Bible happens by accident. God and Jesus in this season of his life on the cross was so intentional. There's an Old Testament thing that we see called prophecy. And there were prophets in the Old Testament that actually prophesied about Jesus. Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus walked the earth, said this. He, being Jesus, was buried with wicked men. And he died with the rich. He had done nothing wrong and he had never lied. Drop down to verse 12. For this reason... I will make him a great man among people, and he will share in all the things with those who are strong. He willingly gave his life and was treated like a criminal, but he carried away the sins of many people and asked forgiveness for those who had sinned. God is an intentional God, and we start this series last week with a very intentional statement by Jesus. The first statement Jesus made on the cross was, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they're doing. And we decided last week that we cannot have strength for today if we're holding on to yesterday. That the first step of how to live through a bad day is to forgive everyone that has hurt us. We've got to let go of that bitterness. We've got to let go of that unforgiveness. But here's the second one. Number two, we see Jesus being crucified between two criminals. And he says this, today, speaking to a criminal on the cross, being sentenced to death, today, you will be with me in paradise because of the criminal's confession, because of his desire to be in a relationship with Jesus. So here's the setting. Before we read this passage today, here's the saying. Jesus is on the cross. Uh, he is crucified between two criminals. So when you see three crosses, uh, Jesus did not die alone. He was between two people that were guilty, two people that deserved to be there. But what I see here is he wasn't the only one having a bad day. Like It's a bad day for three people. Now, one of them didn't deserve it, and two of them did. 
But I don't know about you, I've gone through some bad days because I made some poor decisions and I deserve them. And then I've had some really bad days that I didn't deserve. I didn't do anything wrong. But what we're seeing is we're, we're not alone on our bad day. Jesus, Jesus wasn't alone. There were several of them having a bad day, but he's still doing something really special in this. Let's jump into it. Luke chapter 23, verses 38 through 43. I'm actually going to read it today from the Passion Translation. It says this, Over Jesus' head on the cross was written an inscription in Greek, Latin, and Aramaic. This man is king of all the Jews. And all the soldiers laughed and scoffed at him, saying, Hey, if you're the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? They're mocking him. One of the criminals hanging on the cross next to Jesus kept ridiculing him, saying, What kind of Messiah are you? Save yourself and save us from this death. The criminal hanging on the other cross rebuked the man, saying, Don't you fear God. You're about to die. We deserve to be condemned, for we are just being repaid for what we've done. But this man has done nothing wrong. I want to pause right there. He says, we are about to die. We talked about this this week on one of our programs at uh, Action Church, that in this season of coronavirus, there's something that's changing inside of all of humanity. We are aware of death, and we are aware that we're not in control. And this criminal in this moment got that sense. And maybe you're watching today in this season has brought an awareness of your mortality, an awareness that you're not in control. And I believe this message is for you, this series is for you, that Jesus set this appointment for you today to realize that you're not in control and that you are one question, you are one decision from a relationship with him. Let's jump back into the text. But this man, Jesus, he's done nothing wrong. Then he said, I beg of you, my Lord Jesus, show me grace and take me into your everlasting kingdom. And here's the second statement Jesus made from the cross. On his bad day, Jesus responded, I promise you, this very day you will enter paradise with me. I want to jump back real quick and talk about the intentionality of Jesus, not only in this moment, but in his life. The criminal's assertion was that Jesus hadn't done anything wrong, but Jesus had done a lot in his three years. Jesus is extremely intentional. I wrote these down this week as I was studying. Jesus was intentional about challenging corruption in the religious authority. Jesus was intentional about exposing systems that were oppressive to people. Jesus was intentional in telling of his stories through parables, fully knowing that they would antagonize the religious rulers. Jesus was intentional in healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, picking grain on the Sabbath right in front of the Pharisees. He came to show God's move in power, that the, that the, the power of God changes things, that a relationship and a trust in him is so much more important than a trust in a religious system. He was intentional in turning over the money changers' tables at the temple infuriating the vendors, interrupting the business as usual where religion comes in and creates something to really stand in the way to feed a, a system of religion and, and bondage. And the last thing, intentional in his message, and you got to get this today, church, his message was free the oppressed, give to the poor. He had a message of inclusion, not exclusion. Love instead of judgment. Knowing that ultimately his message of peace would lead him intentionally to the cross where he had an intentional date with death with repentant criminals. Jesus was always intentional. Always. What's amazing about this moment is, is that Jesus 
had the ability to save someone and himself, but instead, in his struggle, he chose to serve. Like in a moment where he's tortured, beaten, betrayed, on the verge of death, where he should have been ministered to, he was still ministering to others. You'd think that Jesus was in no condition to help anyone, but in the middle of his struggle, he decided to help others that were struggling. Write this down if you're taking notes. He teaches us to help others who share the same struggle. Instead of focusing on ourselves, we need to find others to help. And that's exactly what we're doing right now at Action Church. Like we're all in a struggle. We are in a pandemic. We, we are having a bad day of some sorts of varying degrees all across our church, all across our city, all across our community. Yeah. But we are choosing to serve others. Yeah. We've been celebrating all week the 700 meals that we were able to, to organize and distribute to the families in need in Seminole County. We celebrated this week the, the offering we were able to give to the Dream Center. 28,000 people will be fed for a week because of your generosity. I'm struggling, you're struggling, and yet we still choose to serve. We have an amazing food drop. We're going to give you more details this week, and we're going to be able to get thousands of pounds of food, 16 pallets of food going to the community. Why? Because now is the time for the church to shine. If Jesus modeled serving on his worst day, that's exactly what we should do. Like Action Church, like I'm going to preach a little bit, maybe a little awkward in this room and in your room, but I just, I, I can't, I can't stay silent. The church was not a country club for Christians. It was not a gathering place of safety. They say, why are you still working? Why are you still out? Why are you not shrinking back? Because the church is a hospital for the hurting and hospitals don't shut their doors when people are in need, we yes, serve even right. more. Yeah. And as long as heaven and hell are reality and there's breath in our lungs, we are not just, catch this, we are not just an essential service, we offer an eternal service. And as we meet needs, we can arrange the meeting with Jesus Christ. And so I know that you may be scared. I am too. I know that you may be struggling. I am too. I believe Jesus felt all those things, but in the midst of his struggle, he said, I will continue to serve. We've got to forgive like we talked about last week to have the strength to move forward. But the next step is to take our eyes off of ourselves and on to serving other people. Here's the principle. Help others. Help others who are experiencing the same problem as you. <laughs> Talk about a word for this season. We're all experiencing the same problem. Yeah. And what if we took our eyes off of our own situation as believers, as Christians, and served others? Why? I'm going to give you three practical things why we're going to do this. Not just following Jesus' example, which is the most important. But here's some practical things for you and for me in this season. Focusing on others distracts us from our own needs. When you help someone else, when you wake up today, tomorrow, next week, and you're like, how can I serve my neighbor? How can I serve my coworker? How can I serve somebody that has less than me? How can I meet a need? What can I do? You will not be bogged down in the worry and stress of your own pain. It will be the best type of distraction. And the myth that would keep us from doing that is that I, I need to have all of the answers. I have to be smart and secure and have all the answers to help somebody. And that's not true. What I found more than my intellect, more than my knowledge, more than having all together, is that my mistakes actually qualify, qualify me for my ministry. Because really wow. when you minister from your pain of experience, when you minister from empathy, 
It's powerful. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be present. People, get this, people don't want answers. They're just looking for someone who is there and someone who understands. And that's why gathering on Sundays online is so important. That's why all the content that we have going out from Action Kids and Action Students and Action Church, the morning devotionals, the, the Saturday morning prayer, all that stuff is so important because we just need to be together now more than ever. That's why small groups are so important. If you're on a team or you're in a group, lean into that in this season. I don't know, maybe call somebody. Anybody else just had a few more phone calls than normal? Like three weeks ago, if you called me, I'd be like, what are you doing? What a waste of time. Like, what, like why would you call when you could text? Why would you text when you could just send an emoji? You know what I mean? Like, but now it's like, just, just call somebody. Like call, if you're a small group leader, call your small group. If you're a team leader, call. If you need anything, it's a time for us to engage, focusing on others is a great distraction for you and for me. Here's the second one. Write this down. Focusing on others will help you solve your own issues. It won't just be a distraction. It will actually be a solution. It helps us see it. I don't know if you're like me, but when you're in the middle of something, pain is often a blinder to the solution. Pain blinds us. Mm -hmm. Emotions blind us. We get all wrapped up in our situation and we just don't know what to do. Yeah. And what I found being a pastor, maybe you've seen this before, is I am the best counselor to other people's problems. Yeah, that's, that's right. Like, like I am good. Like, I am Dr. Phil. Like, I could have a show. I could tell you everything. I can't tell you how many times I have talked about somebody else's problems to them, fixed them, and then got home and thought, man, somebody should talk to me. <laughs> like, like I need, I, I need that advice, but I don't even want to take my own advice because I'm in pain. But when we focus on others, what we say and how we serve, it'll give us a bigger perspective. It may even give us a God perspective into our own problems. Here's what Isaiah says, 58 verses 10 and 11, reading out of the New International Version. If you spend, and that word spend is choose to help. So with that context, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. If we choose, we cannot control our circumstances, we cannot control the world, but if we choose, to focus on others and put them first. This scripture declares if we take care of those who can't take care of themselves, if we take care of those who have less than us, that God will bring forth a spring, that God will bring light out of the darkness, that he will satisfy our needs if we will make others' needs a priority. I'm not saying your bad day is not going to happen. I'm just saying he gave you the strength to overcome it, and he gave you the perspective and the focus to, focuses on, uh, to focus on other people. Yeah. Here's the last thought, and then we'll move on. God's promise is to take care of us if we commit to take care of others. He promises to take care of us if we commit to take care of others. Here's the next one. Focusing on others, focusing on others helps us put things in perspective. We talk about this all the time. We tend to think our problems are the worst, mm -hmm. yeah. that nobody's ever experienced what we're experiencing. And the truth is, there are people experiencing far worse than us. Yeah. Yeah. Far worse. And maybe you should go 
and see. Maybe you should put yourself out there. Maybe you should read some stories. And not, not just in this pandemic. You know, as a pastor and as church leaders, maybe you're really involved in the church, we think, how is the church going to survive? This, look at this crisis. For real. Like millions of people have given their life for the sake of the gospel. Like we have to go online. We have to practice some social distancing. We have to make a few more phone calls. We have to change some things. Focusing on others, not just in our present, but even in the past for the, for the cause of the gospel. Like we're just, we're going to be okay. Yeah. And when we focus on ourselves, I've never done this before. I've never been out of toilet paper before. I've never had to cook at home this much. I didn't even know how to turn on the oven till last week. Like, what, what are these pantries? Like, what, what is, what, who are these kids? Like, come on, somebody. Like, when do they leave again? I've never been more thankful for eight hours of a break. Like, if, if, if the education is a bonus, I just want to get back to the babysitting. Like, just get them, just get them out of here. But when we focus on ourselves and we focus on our own pain, it magnifies. But when we focus on others, it, put the, it puts things in perspective. Here's what 2 Corinthians says in the message paraphrase. All praise to God, uh, the Father, uh, all praise to the God and Father of our Master Jesus, the Messiah. Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was for us. They don't know Jesus yet. They haven't felt the love and grace. They, they don't know that hope has a name. What if you are the one to introduce them to that hope and that relationship with Jesus? That he's, as you walk alongside God, he's going to bring somebody alongside you and give you some perspective and give you a purpose to fulfill. It says we have plenty of hard times. Uh, that come from following the Messiah, but no more than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. It means we're going to have suffering and comfort. When we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. If we are treated well, given a helping hand and encouraging word, that also works to your benefit, spurring you on, face forward, unflinching. Your hard times, catch this, your hard times are also our hard times. We're sharing in this. When we see that you're just as willing to endure the hard times as to enjoy the good times, we know you're going to make it. No doubt about it. Another translation says we want to share in, in the salvation of Jesus, that we have to share in his suffering as well. And, but we should, you don't have to suffer alone. Choose. Choose to serve and to help other people. Here's how. I want to get real practical as we, as we close in these next few moments together. How do we help people in their pain? In our worst day, how do we help them? And I'm just here to tell you, it's way more simple than you think. You think you need a psychology degree. You think you need to be an ordained pastor. You think you need to be wealthy. No, you just need these three things. If you're a believer, and they're all in this verse, the first one, write this down. Talk about it after today. Offer stability. How to help people in their pain. Offer stability. Go back to that verse. Jesus said, I assure you. I assure you, there's an assurance. There's a stability in a relationship with God. People need something solid and stable in the middle of pain and a crisis. When everything else in your life is changing and moving, you need a constant. That's why there's chaos in the world, because they don't have a constant. 
They're, they're just looking from news article to news article, from freak out to better. Whatever thing I read, I'm in the moment. But when we have a constant in Jesus, when we have a stabilizer, and that's what we bring to these situations. We bring stability, not in our own right, but because we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. I know you're going through a tough time, but if you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, you can offer stability. The one thing that never changes to people, and that's a relationship with Jesus. Second thing, how to help people in their pain. We got to offer, we got to offer support. Jesus said, today you will be with me. So he offers assurance, he offers stability. And this is today you will be with me. I know we're going through something tough, but we're together. I know this is overwhelming, but we're together. I know we don't understand, but you will be with me. I may not know the answer to your problem, but I know that I will be there to help you walk through it. Yeah. We talked about this a couple years back in a series, Pretty Little Liars. We talked about it in context of grief, but I was thinking about it this week, and I think it really uh, has uh, application to our season today on how do I help others with pain. And it's real practical. Sit with them on Zoom. Poor time for a joke. I mean, come on. Six feet away. Six, sit with them. If you're in Orange County, don't go to their house. Zoom. FaceTime. Little phone call. Just be there. Sit. When they're walking through pain, cry with them. Notice I haven't talked about theology lessons yet. I haven't talked about psychology breakdown. We've just spent time together. And we cry together. Here's the third one. Laugh with them. Look for moments to break the tension. Look for moments to change the focus off of the pain. And yeah. Talk about a funny story. Make fun of yourself. Tell them something that happened. We're going through something tough. The tough circumstance, odds are, is not going to change right away. So we don't need to just dwell on it every single moment. We're going to be there. We're going to cry. We're going to laugh. And then here's my favorite one. I really think it's a revelation from a couple years ago and reminded of it this week. Pray scripture. Don't quote scripture. They don't need a sermon. When people are in pain, they don't need you to come in and tell them everything they should be thinking and they should be doing. They need you to be there, laugh with those, cry with those, and then bring the word of God over their life as you pray and declare God's word. Can I pray for you? And you pray that he's going to give them a peace. You pray that he's the comforter. You pray that he's the conqueror. They don't need your opinion. They need the word of God and begin to pray scripture. We're going to offer stability in their pain. We're going to offer support. And then here's the most important. This is what Jesus does. We're going to offer salvation. Jesus said, today... Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. When you read scripture, Jesus can and did fix immediate problems. But more often, he just redirected people's focus. Yeah. And sometimes he will come in and meet an immediate need. But a lot of times he's more concerned with his ultimate provision and that's our place in eternity. Jesus, he offers more than just a better now. He offers a better place. And in the midst of our pain, we have to 
adopt an eternal perspective. And that's what he gives. He gives stability in the moment. He gives support. But he gives salvation. Yeah. I'm going to give you a moment to reflect on what we've talked about today. What Jesus has, has done for you. We've talked about it the past couple weeks. But you and I are in this story. All of us. All of us are represented by one of these two criminals. Because both of us deserved, all of us deserved to be hung on a cross. To have all of that shame and all of that sin and all of that weight. We have one or two responses. It's to say, I don't care what you did, Jesus. I've got this. Ridicule. Mocking. And that's what we're doing. You're saying, I've never done that. That's what you're doing with your life as you live under your own power and your own sin. Your life is a mockery of God's grace if you continue to say, I'm in control. But the other criminal said, hey, I've made some mistakes. I deserve to die. I deserve all of this. But Jesus, what would happen? What would happen if I trusted you? You don't deserve. What would happen? If I, if I gave all of me into your hands. And that's what I want to ask you to do today. Right here in this room, right where you're watching, if you would bow your head right where you are. The only answer to your pain, the only way that you will know that hope has a name and it's through a relationship with Jesus is if you give your life to him. If you look at him today just like that criminal did and said, I, I want to start over. What about me? In fact, as every eye closed, every head still bowed. I want to go back and read that scripture. It says, the criminal on the cross rebuked the man saying, don't you fear God? You're about to die. We deserve to be condemned for we are just being repaid for what we've done. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. Then he said, I beg of you, my Lord Jesus, show me grace and take me into your everlasting kingdom. What if you did that today, right where you are? Say, I beg you, Lord Jesus. Like, I beg you to take control of my life. I give you access to my past, my present, my future. I want a relationship with you. If that's you, wherever you are, would you raise your hand? Come on, as a sign of surrender, say, I, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe some of you, this pain has reminded you of how important your relationship with God really is. This chaos, this out of control season that we find ourselves in has made you realize that at one point you have walked away from your relationship with God. Well, it's not too late. This message was just for you. And today may be the day that you recommit your life to follow Jesus. If that's you, I'd love for you to raise your hand right where you are as well. So whether it's for the first time or first time in a long time, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm so proud of you. Hey, if you raised your hand, would you pray this in your heart or even out loud right where you are? Just say something like this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And today I'm confessing with my mouth, I'm begging, and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord and I'm giving you that place, complete control. God, have your way in my life. Now, God, I pray for all of us.
I pray this week, more than ever, that we would focus on others. In the midst of our bad days, of our stress and our struggle, we would look to serve. We would look to help. We would look to meet a need. God, change our perspective. God, change our, our hearts, change our minds as we offer stability through Jesus. We offer a, a steadfast hope that only comes through relationship with him. We love you. We thank you for all you've done. We thank you for continuing to use us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen.